You are brilliant, Hermione. Truly. Actually, I'm highly logical, which allows me to look past extraneous detail and perceive clearly that which others overlook. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Bear Pile, your pile of everything geeky and berry. As always, I'm your mama bear, the Yeti. With me, as always, is the lovely, the talented, Jonathan Moore. And this week, we have with us Davey Kuhn. Say hi, Davey. Hello, everybody. And we have Ross with us this week. Say hi, Ross. Hi, all. And this week, our topic is the characterization of the characters in J.K. Rowling's smash hit series, Harry Potter. Now, um, I know, Davy and Ross, you guys have read the books. Uh, Jonathan, you have seen, heard, read nothing of Harry Potter, correct? Well, I, I tried to read the first one, and um, from as far as I got, I think it's a series of books about a boy who lives under a stairs. Okay, so the first five pages. Yeah, kind of. I think I may have been forced to go to see one of the movies once, but I forget. It's been a long time. Well, you'll certainly know a lot more about it when we're done with this. Yay. So we Yay. will just uh, go ahead with that. Um, I'm going to start it off. We're going to talk about uh, our favorite Harry Potter character and see if we can't figure out what makes them our favorite and if we can agree that they made good characters or not. So, Ross, why don't we start with you? Um, I'd have to say that my favorite character from the series would probably be Hermione Granger. Okay. Uh, what makes her your favorite? Um, over the course of the seven novels, uh, her character was extremely well written, and she showed not only uh, a lust for knowledge, so to speak, that really clicked with me, but also the um, indicative bravery and other traits of her house, House Gryffindor. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I I was also actually going to say Hermione as my favorite. <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me oh my too. god, <laughs> all three of us? Oh my god, guess what, guys? I was going to say the owl, or whatever. You don't even know her name. Yeah. You don't the owl. Yeah, the, the owl has a name. Yeah, she's uh, she's named after the angry inch. Oh, Hedwig. Hedwig, yeah. There yeah. we go. I've seen, I've seen that movie. Can we talk about that instead? Nope. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was gonna say Hermione too. She's actually uh, she was actually a perfect example of why I think J.K. Rowling wrote incredibly human characters. Yeah. Um. Because she was somebody whose qualities also became flaws at certain points. Mm-hmm. So, do you think that that's important? The fact that, it, 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 since it's such a fantastical setting, writing realistic characters kind of grounds the series. Yeah, actually. What do you guys Absolutely. think? Yeah, completely. <clears throat> I I totally agree with that. Like, it, com- um, go ahead. Uh, I'm in complete agreement as well. 
Well, Davey, why is she one, uh, your favorite character? Um, she's she's really believable, and like everyone had her as a friend in school. Like she was always the really obnoxious one that you know had to get everything right and had to study constantly, and just you know was like kind of could could be a little bit of a an annoyance in class sometimes, you know, if other people wanted to stand out or whatever, but, um, she also was, you know, flawed and, (laughs) right. And, um, you know, she was, uh, she was wizard born to a muggle family and, you know, so she had to, so she had to deal with a lot of that, um, kind of being different and, people looking down on her just because she's not from like one of these like pure line highborn wizard families like most everyone else seemed to be um so she kind of had to make her she kind of had to make a niche for herself and you know she she definitely succeeds in making her presence known and that she's not something that you can just kind of pass over all right, we actually just had another uh, guest join our ranks. Say hi, Bob Smash, returning. Hello, how are you? I'm good. So we were talking about uh, Harry Potter characterization, and we were just discussing our favorite characters. Uh, why don't you give us yours? You know, there's a lot, but I think it's either going to have to be between Ginny Weasley, because she just doesn't put up with any bullshit, um, or Hermione. I'm Sorry, I, love I really do. Of, of course, we all three of us just said Hermione. Yeah, I said the, I said the, I said the owl. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It, it's it's really interesting that we all did it, and but mostly I think that's possibly from either a a feminist standpoint where you know girls really do know everything and us boys suck. Or, or B, she's just a really well-written character. She's well-rounded. She's neurotic enough to be human, but she's still the smart girl, and yay, smart girl. What I always loved about her, and I don't think it's talked about enough because I think that people talk about how smart she is a lot. Um, what I love about her character is her sheer, uh, utter determination to do what she thinks is right. Mm-hmm. Like, more than any of the other characters, she just has this mania about doing the exact right thing well i think that's partially because she's not a born witch Mm -hmm. she was raised in the human world right where she had human morals instead of this weird magic solves everything but even even compared to other people who grew up in the muggle world like harry like her desire to do what is right like her desire to fight for the greater good is to the to the point where um she just she is completely beyond caring what happens to herself as long as she addresses like absolute justice which i think she's incredible an incredible character because that's such an under like she's not she's absolutely incredibly brave she's incredibly smart and she does not put up with anything that she doesn't think is right like she one of my favorite examples of this is um uh fourth book Rita Skeeter is talking about doing a story on Ludo Bagman and you know Hermione doesn't have any ne- necessary necessary 
impetus to go and start a vendetta with Rita Skeeter, but she does it anyway because she sees this horrible person ruining the lives of everyone around her. And I, I just love that it, she makes it her goal to go out and ruin this woman's life. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. I, I'd forgotten about Rita and Hermione's total dislike for her. That even even from like the beginning, before she really has very many interactions with her, she's just like she doesn't like the taste of her at all. Well, she's just a character who's who's motivated. Her motivation in the end is pure justice. Like, Mm -hmm. you have other characters who want revenge, and you have characters who want freedom, and and who just want to be in a world that's okay, but she is motivated purely and simply by by justice. And bad knitting. (laughs) And bad knitting. (laughs) So, like I said, I'm going to kind of have to take Hermione back a little bit. Um... (laughs) Just because she she is my favorite of the students because she keeps Ron Weasley in line and that makes her awesome. Um, <laughs> but I think just from I mean even even though she's a, a relatively minor character in the scheme of things, um, Professor McGonagall is just a kick-ass old lady and made even more so by the fact that she's played by Maggie Smith in the movies. <laughs> I <laughs> adore her. Yes. I, I, I was so pissed when um, movie five, was it four? Was it five? Might have been five. Um, that they skipped the whole "I will make you an horror Harry Potter" oh, thing God, because that oh, that would have been delicious. Yeah, that would have been really good. Oh. I would have really enjoyed seeing that, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't even. I would even go. I wouldn't even say that uh, Minerva McGonagall's a minor character. I feel like she's one of the main, like, secondary characters besides, like, you know, Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Like, she's one of the main, like, um, protagonists in in the series, pretty much, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, she always struck me. Um, if Molly Weasley struck me as like Harry's surrogate mother, then Minerva McGonagall always struck me. As Harry's very stern surrogate grandmother. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good comparison. Mm. I, I just, yeah, from from my point of view, yes, she was a, a very important secondary character, but it was very evident that she was a secondary character. True. That's, that's just my own distinction. No big deal. I right. just, uh, and she was also a hat stall, which I think is important to mention. A what? A hat stall. Uh, the sorting hat, basically, um, when they put the sorting hat on, if it takes a while, like a, like a good few minutes to decide what house you're in, uh, it's referred to as a hat stall. Oh, okay. Now, I'm going to ask another question. What's a sorting hat? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a hat that really? sorts you into houses. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, it basically determines what house you end up in whenever you're in Hogwarts. Okay. All right, Ross, uh, you said that you had a secondary character that you wanted to talk about. Yes, um, if I had to pick a favorite character after Hermione Granger, it would also be one of the professors at Hogwarts during their schooling, and it would be Severus Snape. Ooh. That's an unpopular oh, opinion. Oh, 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 he's the one played by the same 
guy who who played uh, who was in um, Alan Rickman. Uh, yeah, Alan Rickman. Die Hard. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Galaxy Quest. That's my favorite movie. Yeah. Really, really, John. <laughs> when we get to the Star Trek episode, you're gonna see. Alan Rickman, and you pull out Galaxy Quest. Okay. Galaxy Quest was, was not bad. It, yes. was, it was often hilarious. But of, of but of the Alan Rickman loves that I would never have reached for Galaxy Quest first. Well, that's because you're not a Trekkie like me. <laughs> I suppose. Um, so Gordy Weaver was also in that, and oh, she's mm-hmm. amazing. Lest, lest we forget, I love I love Sigourney Weaver and everything. All right, back on track. Yes, um, <laughs> Ross, go expound. Why do you love Severus Snape? At the beginning of the series, he seems to be mostly mostly a character of malicious intent of some sort you know that it's not completely how his personality is and he does act over the first half of the series you know in a very particularly i could say even nasty way especially towards harry but there always was something in the background there that i knew had to make him be like that towards Harry Potter. Right. Something that we just hadn't found out yet. And then within the last two novels, it was like his entire character was turned on its ear. And honestly, he became the most tragic of all of the heroes. Tragic doesn't mean nice, though. No. No. Um, There was something... There's always something strange about him. Like... I always found him malicious and petty, even like even after I knew his story, I, I still think that he's malicious and petty. But what I love about him is that there's a distinct change in the way he treats Harry um, before Voldemort's revival and after. Because after Voldemort's revival, he's he's still nasty to Harry, but he's nasty to him in an almost I-need-to-teach-you kind of way. Like, mm. even, like, um, it, uh, it struck me the most end of the sixth book, where oh. it's right after he kills uh, Dumbledore, and... Oh my god, Wait, spoilers! <laughs> um, you know, maybe I was gonna watch these sometime, thanks. Well, it's it's already, been, it's been almost book. ten years, right. Jonathan. Yeah. The, the, the statute of limitations for spoilers has indeed run out. <sighs> And I'm sure it's already been spoiled for everyone in the mm-hmm. you know in the English speaking world anyway. Pretty much right. now. Um, <laughs> but what always struck me about that was when when Harry's trying to, to trying to catch him, and he has the opportunity to hurt him, and he just doesn't. And he's mm-hmm. he's he's still teaching him. He's still like, I'm going to be able to block you and beat you, as long as you continue. Like, what does he say? Um, blocked again and again until you learn to keep your mouth shut and your mind closed. Right. And like it's a, he uses it as a teaching moment the whole time. He's like, "You need to be better because I'm not even the worst thing out there." Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, I don't think anything's going to make him. Um, he's tragic, and and tragedy doesn't always bring out the best in people. His his actions make him a good 
I guess, a good person. See, that's what I love about the characterization of this book, is that I have no idea if Snape is a good person. Right. I, I don't... Because at the end of the day, he did everything he did because he was motivated by guilt. Hmm. But even reading in the, into the backstory, and all, I mean, he started at the very, very beginning, back when he first met Lily... He was a kid. He couldn't have been that bad, but he just got worse and worse and worse, and he was the worst kind of bigot about it, even as a kid. That did not endear me to him at all. He was not a nice person, but he fell in love with a nice person, and that made him tragic. That, mm. I, yeah. I, I think, what, what, yeah, I think that that's a very good point, is, um, you know, he was never... You could you could always make an argument that he was never a good person. Is he? But I can see that he tried towards the end, and there's there's we do have there's a lot to say for redemption, mm-hmm. but he didn't he didn't quite meet it in my right. eyes, even if he died. I think that I think that he did at some point think of Harry almost as not as someone he liked, but. Mm-hmm. The son that should have been his. Yeah, I, I think that he could have thought of him like that, but he just refused to, and he only thought of him as sort of Lily Evans's son. Right. But every time he looked at him, he saw James Potter. Exactly. And it was just like, as evidenced by the one sentence in each book that goes, "Just like your father." Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least it's uh, and that was an interesting character change too because yeah. like for the whole first like part of the books and the movies you like look at James Potter as being like this kind of idyllic like perfect father and then you find out he was like actually like a bully and he was really bad in school like uh, with like you know how he acted towards other people and that was kind of a that was that was that was a bit of a shock for me because I didn't expect his father to be, you know. The the line I think that sums that up is uh, actually from the sixth movie. It's one of Alan Rickman's lines as Snape, when um, Snape is trying to teach Harry Potter Occlumency, and uh, Harry's yeah. arguing with him about his fa- how his father was a good man. And he says, "Your father was a swine." Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's very difficult to put a pin on it because you understand everything about him. And when you understand everything about a character, because they're human and because they're so like other people that I know, it makes me very difficult to go, you are a bad person and you are a good person because they're so complex well, well, here's the thing. Let, let me clarify things from my side of the thing, because I have already clearly stated that uh, Snape can die in a fire, and eventually did. Um, but I don't like Snape the person, regardless of his attempt at redemption. Mm-hmm. I do like Snape the character. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because he, that is a well-rounded villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One that has very real motivations and doesn't seem like petty or contrived or whatever. Oh no, it it was entirely petty. Well, I mean, as far as like 
as far as like the creation of his villain, like, like him being a villain for the reasons he was like, is petty. But the way he was made, it wasn't like a petty, like stupid villain. Like it was a completely right. believable, fleshed out villain character that you know it worked very well. Oh, yeah. Again, yeah, we were. Um, <laughs> one of my my second favorite character, which I don't think that we would have talked about on this podcast otherwise, if I didn't bring her up. Uh, my second favorite Harry Potter character will f- always and forever be Molly Weasley. Yes, oh, I love yes. her. I, I love adore that woman. I <laughs> like, and you only I... really understand what an incredible character she is after you've read all seven books and are rereading everything. Because uh-huh. you find out, um, you find out in the fifth book that two people, Fabian and Gideon Pruitt, were killed. You don't find out until the seventh book that they were Molly's brothers. Mm-hmm. And then that colors everything that she does up to that point. Right. Like, the way that she treats Harry, like, the the way that she cares for all these other people, um, how she behaves once they become part of the order scene, and just thinking about the fact that she had to bury two of her brothers to because of Voldemort right. and then experiencing the the Bogart scene in the fifth book again. Oh God. The the Bogart scene in the fifth book was Harry Potter's version of the body from Buffy. It was. It's like just done. Because you don't realize like she's an incredibly powerful witch. Oh yeah. Like once you realize that Nonverbal spells require a shit ton of concentration and power, mm-hmm. and that she has basically been running a household without speaking a word for years. Like, mm-hmm. she, uh, and and then like you realize, she buried two brothers. She's lived this nightmare before, and she lives it again. And mm-hmm. she she has to live it again. She has to bury children, and she has to bury friends. And right, to the Bogart scene for me just every time hits me right in the gut because uh, I have to say like Molly Weasley reminds me so much of my own mother that it's ridiculous. Mm. So like any, any scene with Molly Weasley, she's just mentally my own mother. Yeah. And just like thinking about that from the perspective of, of, you know, here is a woman who has dedicated her entire life to raising a family and she's faced with the threat of losing that family. Right. And just... You see her beaten down so often. And, that... and you saw her stand right back up when her when one of the older kids, I can't remember the name, uh, was attacked by the werewolf. And oh, you yeah. see her stand right back up when it comes to facing Bellatrix. Uh, was oh. it uh, was it Bill that got attacked by the werewolf? Yeah, when Bill gets attacked by the werewolf in the sixth book, but like the the iconic moment of the seventh book, not my daughter, you bitch. Uh, yeah, oh. that was that was I'm, a great moment. They left that in the movie. I, was I like, know. Yes! I was so happy. That was like one of the, one of the re- like it was, that was one of the few times I was actually happy with the movie. <laughs> See, <laughs> I was not. See, I hated that in the movie because the book, like the way the book portrays that scene was, like, Molly Weasley makes Bellatrix look like a kid. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think the the actual description was they dueled so hard and fast that the ground around their feet started glowing red hot and cracking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and it was just like nope, turned her into fish flakes. One move. <laughs> right. That was the movie's like terrible response for everything. Oh, is there a death that you know denotes mundane finality in the books? Let's have them turn into fish flakes. Right. Huh? Oh, uh, glowy particles. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, just when listening to you guys discuss things, it seems like, you know, the fact that that just sounds like, you know, I might have to read these now because uh, oh, it sounds dead. like it sounds like. I mean, usually this kind of stuff isn't my type of thing, but you know, good writing is good writing, whether it's about wizards or <laughs> aliens or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and and remember, Jonathan, what what the way she wrote these, which I think was brilliant on her part, was mm-hmm. so that they would grow with her audience. You start exactly. at the first one; it's a scholastic book, and it's a it's very much a kids' book, and they keep maturing as they go, and they're <laughs> incredible. Yeah. The world is so intensely described; it's it's a wonderful read. Very. They they really they truly do grow with you. Like I I read the first one when I was in eighth grade, and it was it was shortly after I think the third one was released. So like I got to start really early, and you know I, they just they just grew up with me. Like whenever I was hitting high school age, you know Harry, Ron, and Hermione were as well, and they were starting to go through a lot of the more similar things, like you know romance and all that kind of thing, and teenage angst. I'll say it. Mm. And, you know, like, and that was, like, right around the time that I started, like, experiencing all of that for myself, too. And then these, wor- the worlds are just, the world that J.K. Rowling has created is just so real and touchable. And just, like, it's literally, like, you, you can imagine yourself in the, in the scene with the characters. Like, you can, you can hear, you can almost, like, read their thoughts. Like, you know them that well by that point, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And um, the the as as the books get more towards the end, they they start dealing with a lot more mature subject matter, and the, even the descriptions and the writing style itself like ages some and has more wisdom behind it. And it's just it's really they're very brilliantly written uh, books, I have to say. Yeah, I grew up. Um... I got the very first Harry Potter book when I was nine. I was the first kid in my school to have it. Um, oh, you make oh me my feel. God. You make I'm me older feel. Than all of you. <laughs> um, I don't know about that. I was a senior in high school when the first one came out. When did they come out? Ninety-seven was the first one. Ninety-seven. Right. So I was twenty-five. I was eleven. Whenever <laughs> the first one came out. I was nine uh, when I, I got the first one. Um, yeah, so I was, I was a little late getting to the party. Like I'm usually late getting, like jumping on bandwagons and stuff. Like because I I like to experience things for myself. He just so. he just he just bought some leisure suits and uh, eight track tapes. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, <laughs> that's way before then. But um, yeah, I got the books at nine, and they just grew with me. Like uh, yeah. I think I was exactly seventeen when the last book came out. So, uh, which, ooh, that was, was an end to an era. Yeah, I was about 18 or 19, so. Well, maybe she'll write, like, some adult 
uh, novels like like Harry Potter and the Magical Tax Return or Oh my god. <laughs> I hope I hope the hell not. Cuz it it needs no further it needs no further books. I heard no. some I heard something that there were maybe going to be some more books written in the universe not necessarily about Yeah. the characters though. There is, there is one that's coming out. Um well, There's a that, movie. Yeah, it's a book and a movie, I'm pretty sure. Well, they already made the book. Now they're now right. they're making the movie. They're doing the movie uh, adaptation, and it takes place uh, in I think New York in like the flapper era. Um, so like oh, the twenties. Yeah. Are we thinking so, of the same thing? Because I was thinking about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. No, I, yeah. I was thinking about um, what's the other one? Um, I can't remember what it's called. I feel like a failure. Um, hey, we're in front of these magic boxes that give us news. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm unlocking I, my iPhone. Let's let's take it back to the subject matter real quick, just to just to stay on track. Um, were there any characters that you felt were not developed well? Because I have one. I want to see if you guys have any. Um, I do. I do. Uh, Mr. Weasley. Really, I liked him. I liked him, but I don't think he was the best developed character. I mean, he was a nice guy, but he almost didn't seem to have the same stake in the fight as everyone else other than his job. And, and, and yay, we all love the crackpot, but he, you know, that's pretty much all he was. Oh, hey, I collect batteries cuz they're so mundane and cool. Well, I think you that know? he I think that he was a moral center. I think that they demonstrated like that was that was a bigger part, especially after Voldemort came back. Was you know, Mister Weasley is just he refuses to compromise his morals. I think that that was a big development for his character as well. Yeah, I, I, and there were parts of his character that that were very well developed. I just don't think he was as well rounded as some of the others. No, I guess that's that's fair. What about you, Davy? I feel like, um, I think her name is Tonks, the one with the purple hair. Oh, Tonks. Oh, I um, love her. I know. The the one that played, um, the same actress plays, I think her name's Osha on Game of Thrones. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just really like her actress. Like, I remember whenever she first popped up in Game of Thrones, I'm like, oh, she was Tonks on Harry Potter. Like, I, I knew I, I... her immediately. And, um... I just feel like they could have like done, they could have done more with her character. In in the but, films, they could have absolutely done more with her character because she was important in the books and she wasn't right. some of the movies. Exactly, like she just I, shows up and it's like, who is this again? Yeah. <laughs> yes, Ross. Uh, what was your character that you thought was underdeveloped? This may be a slightly controversial opinion, but for the majority of the series. And I felt this way only until the sixth novel, really. Draco Malfoy. I thought that he was well-rounded. He was well-rounded. Go ahead, Ross. Go ahead, Ross. He was well-rounded, yes. But for the first five novels, all I could think about when I considered his character was every it seems as if everything he does all of his interactions with everybody else what makes him him is just he's doing what is expected of him what would be expected of 
a young wizard who's grown up in his family, the conditioning of a pure blood wizarding family, and all that. Well, I think that's what his character was meant to demonstrate, was um, sort of uh, indoctrination, mm. and how, you know, it sort of takes hold, and it, what the dangers of it basically are. Yeah, and, and he really didn't become that major of a character. Uh, not not that any of them really did, because she wasn't writing that deep until the fourth or fifth book. Um yeah, he was he was a typ- typical school bully. He was a foil for the first few books, and mm-hmm. then then we start getting into racism, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and that well, was, racism... that's when that conditioning comes in, and you know, hey, you're a mudblood, you suck, die. Well, the racism know? was uh, present in the second book. It starts being a, a thing in the second book very much. Wait, mud, 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 what? No, never mind. But it's it's um. The it's used in the second book sort of uh, as a starting point. Um, like I think he does it to make himself seem impressive, to set himself apart. But again, he reaches that area where he he has complexities about him towards the end of the series. Where um, I don't know if he's a good person by the end of it. I'm I'm fairly certain he's not. I don't want to be around him, but I, I don't. Uh, I I I I'm so I have so much trouble pointing the finger and being like you're a bad person, right? But it goes back to that whole thing of by the end of the series, the sixth and seventh novels, we're shown something that we really hadn't seen in the rest of the books yet. Mm-hmm. Draco Malfoy, he I don't think he ever was ever would be a good person. Mm-hmm. But we're shown mm-hmm. that he is as he is as human as everybody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was shown at the end of the seventh book to have basically turned a new leaf and, and become the good person that we thought he could eventually be. But it was only through all of that tragedy, all of his being a dick through the entirety of the seven books. Right. That he gets that epilogue at the end of, of book seven where it's like, oh, hey, he's he's not necessarily a friend of Harry's, but at least they're on speaking terms and they're dealing with each other maturely. Yeah. Right. I actually have a character I feel is underdeveloped that I know everybody in this chat is going to yell at me for saying. Voldemort. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I... No. I'm not even going to yell at you about that because he could have been so much better and so much worse at the same time. I I think he I definitely could have been agree. worse. Like um but what yeah. I what I always thought about him was he, he's evil right from the bat, the get-go. Like from the very earliest memory that Dumbledore has of him, he's already evil. Like he 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 doesn't want any companionship, he doesn't want any love. He doesn't want any friends. He's been torturing kids at this orphanage already for years. What? Like, he's he's already evil. I, I'm kind of going to disagree on that point, just because when you're talking about, from a psychological standpoint, she looked at things that have indicated serial killers. Mm-hmm. So she actually did kind of take that psychology into account when creating the character. He was a killer from a young age oh, yeah. because of the tragedy in his life. She just had to take it from there, and it's and where she took it was a little meandering and, and didn't quite get as 
I mean, I mean, it, it was blacker than black when you were dealing with him, but I still think there could have been more. It's just that um, he, we needed more. I think what would have made him a more compelling character is if we got more. We get hinting that he's a sociopath and that mm. he thinks that these people should just fall down and die for him because he's better than they are. But I think we needed more of that. Like, we needed reasons why. Like, um, a good way to com- a good person to compare him to, uh, if you've ever seen season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is Glory. Glory is an utter sociopath, and she thinks that she's doing everything completely right, and everybody who opposes her is utterly and completely morally wrong. And well, you know, when when you are in fact a goddess, uh... mm-hmm. well, that's that's sort of what I'm saying. It's like someone with so much power, someone with so much power that they influence the morality around them. We needed a moment where just like with glory where she's brought low and she starts being the victim almost um Voldemort is never he never appears to be to be the victim even in his own mind he kind of understands that he's uh the bad guy well when you think about it this way though Technically, he's already been brought low. They beat him once before, before the series even started. Mm-hmm. And he was beaten by Harry Potter, who rebounded his spell back at him because he was protected by the power of love. Thank you, Mati, stupid Captain Planet. Anyway, <laughs> um, oh yes, the power of heart. We can, deal, we can kill everything with a hug. That reference, anyway. though. <laughs> but even when, he, even when he's brought low like that... Um, you know, instead of it being like a sociopath, a sociopath would victimize themselves in that situation. You know, he was trying to save himself from being destroyed by this kid who would eventually grow up to kill him. And instead, you know, this happened to him. That's how a sociopath would think that. But would Voldemort, Voldemort doesn't even want to go that way because I, I think that he would hate, he's just so... I guess, driven by dominance and power and just this sort of one-dimensional way, almost. He's very prideful. Yeah. I mean, pride is a great vice, but um, I guess my point about him is that he never appears human. Right. But I think that was kind of the point with him. Mm -hmm. He wasn't supposed to have appeared human. He was supposed to be this utterly evil force. He I mean, he would... He was reborn from bones. Yeah, you know, when, when they had to reform his body, and he didn't even have a human face when he when they were done. Re- you know, he was yeah. he well, wasn't what, meant to be something we identified with. I think that that can work. Um, I, modern Voldemort. I think that modern Voldemort with the snake face, utterly unidentifiable, that works. But mm-hmm. when you're showing a Voldemort who was a child who was at one point human. It's just, when you're shown these things and you're shown that even as a child he doesn't have humanity, um, it's one thing to show him as having sort of disregard for the comfort or safety of others. It's another thing to show him having absolute 
absolutely no regard for their pain and suffering. Well, you have to remember who his grandfather was. Mm-hmm. Well, that again his brings up the question. Was the same, well, his grandfather was the same way. Well, his grandfather's ways were brought about by a lifetime of bitterness and poverty. Yeah. Um, and that, that again brings up the, the, the argument that evil is genetic. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and which makes it a very interesting question because his grandfather obviously was a douche waffle. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother, on the other hand, was lonely. She was not an attractive woman. She was lonely, and she happened to be all stalkery with the dude up at the, up the manor house on the hill. Yeah. Um, so, and you've got Voldemort, who, you know, eventually, you know, his grandfather was dead by the time he really became aware of anything. His mm-hmm. mother was dead. He was in this orphanage. And he all he has to go on is the things that are happening in his head and the things that he's seen that he's able to do. Oh, wait, I have power over people. I'm going to use it. So I, there are you're, – you're absolutely right in, the, in that there could have been so much more with mm-hmm. Voldemort because we saw him as a child and then skipped to when he was a teenager. Yeah. We never saw any of that in between. Right. So we don't know how he managed to twist himself worse than he was. I don't think we, that he that he's necessarily. I don't think it's bad. I think he's an underdeveloped character, but I think that he wasn't meant ever to be a character. Really, I think that he was meant to be a symbol, mm-hmm. and that he symbolized fear of death because the whole theme of the Harry Potter novels is death. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so he's supposed to be the symbol. Of people who fear death, you know, cruel, evil people. Um, but you know, let's let's talk more broadly about Harry Potter characters. <laughs> On the whole, would you say that they are believable, rounded characters? Absolutely. Uh, no On question. the whole, considering considering the environment that they're in, they're incredibly believable. I mean, if, if this was, say, the Andromeda strain, probably not so much. <laughs> but you know, but the, the, the characters were extremely well-written for the environment that was written for them. Yeah. Um, I thought that they were incredible characters. Um, they mimicked, uh, almost oddly, a lot of the people that I grew up with. Right. Um. And what I love was that there was still, while they were believable, rounded-out characters, there was still whimsy to them. Luna Lovegood. Yes. Yes. She, (laughs) like, she, her father, um, Daedalus Diggle, uh, Mad-Eye Moody, just, like, these are all characters who are pretty great, rounded characters. They've got ups and downs, ins and outs, but they were still wacky-ass people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, the juxtaposition between the muggle world and the wizarding world, there's just, you know, these people are still people, but they're just allowed to be wackier because they don't Very have to much. deal with our bullshit. Right. And, and then you've got... Trelawney, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, such a good kooky character. Like, very, very, like, a very good comedic relief in a way. 
Um, and then she actually ends up, you know, delivering one of the, like, the worst harbingers of doom, you know. You, and you wouldn't expect her to be the one to do it. You would expect someone who's a lot more grim, usually. She um, had some unexpected gravitas to her. She was... Very, yes. Uh, my One of my favorite scenes with her is actually not, like, during her classes, not her just being Trelawney, was when she had to get thrown out of Hogwarts. Oh. That made me feel for her as a as a person. Yeah, you're weird, but you have a home. Yeah, you know, it's that was that was another thing that made Dumbledore one of my biggest literary heroes in the world. Okay, let's actually talk about Dumbledore because I think that he's um, an incredibly. I don't even how to begin with him. He's an incredibly complex character. Isn't he mm-hmm. gay or something? Didn't he? Yeah. Yes, gay? he is gay. Yes. He is currently one of my favorite gay literary icons. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, he, because... it eventually comes out that he is gay. And, and it is hinted at in the books, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't actually said until J.K. Rowling said, yes, Dumbledore was meant to be gay. Right. Uh, well, of course, then again, his brother also had a thing for sheep, so... Maybe. Wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> it, goats, not sheep, goats. goats. Yes, goats. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> that pun um, was bad. <laughs> it was. But, uh, but Dumbledore, <coughs> just, just from the very beginning, you see him as this avuncular kook. Mm-hmm. And and he's just kind of awesome, even from the very first chapter of the very first book. You know that he's going to be this incredible force in Harry's life who, who is going to teach him what his parents were not able to. Yeah. And, and right. just from the, from the first sentence when, he's, when he shows up, it's incredible. Yeah. I, just, I just love the difference between um, Dumbledore as a teacher... And then Dumbledore when he's in a fight. Because Ooh. the things that piss him off are my favorite things in the world. Like, he'll sit down and talk with you about your wacky ass, like, ideas all day long. Like, you can be mean to him. You can directly call him an asshole. The, all these things will never bother him. The thing that bothers him is just when you directly stand in the way of doing the right thing. But, yeah, I th- he was... He's an incredible hero to me. He dispenses like a lot a lot of the ideas that I still hold dear to this day. Just even in the very first book, some of the stuff that he says is incredibly inspiring. Yes. Like um when he's talking to Harry at the very last uh very last chapter of the first book and he's like all it really takes is someone who's willing to fight what looks like a losing battle. And you just all, that's all it takes, in the, and that's what takes what it takes to push evil back again and again and again. Right. That, beard. that beard, so majestic, <laughs> such a majestic the, beard. It like it should be harboring wildlife. That's mm-hmm. yeah, it's an inspiration <laughs> to bear, bears of all. I, and and let's just touch on the movies real quick. I was incredibly saddened when. Uh, what is his name? Damn, damn, damn Richard damn. Harris. Richard, thank you. When Richard Harris died. Oh yeah. We knew, we knew it was going to happen. We knew. Well, how can it be a spoiler when somebody actually published it? Eh, it's, like, 
Yeah, it's like how Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman died whenever, but they got most. What? Yeah, he he died. Overdose. Everyone's dying. But, um, but they were they were able to get like most of the you know most of the footage for him for Mockingjay. But the thing is, though, with Dumbledore, they didn't like they they had to actually like completely refilm so many of the scenes. And mm. oh, did they like replace him with like CGI or something? No, they no. had to rep- they replaced him with another actor, thankfully. But um, but yeah, they had to completely replace him for I think was it the last two movies or just the last the, one? The last four movies. The last. No, the, the, he was in the he was only in the first two. So they were oh. in the last five movies. Wait, I thought, I thought he died movie. later. <laughs> who did they replace him with? Michael um, Gambon. Oh, he was on Doctor Who too. Yep, he was in Britain. He was in Doctor Who. Everyone, so so like everyone who's an actor in Britain has been in Doctor Who and Harry Potter. Yep, pretty much. Ah, oh, I get it. Get it now. Back at the first two movies. Richard Harris embodied Dumbledore in a way that I don't think any other actor could have. And and I I like Michael Gambon. He was not a perfect Dumbledore for me. I would have... um... He did a good job with what he was given, but he wasn't, you know... No, he but, he was all the all the energy with none of the quiet dignity, right? Whereas Richard Harris had that very soft spoken quiet dignity, yeah, with but, none of the energy. <laughs> well, you know, chemotherapy will do that. Yeah. Oh, oh, too too soon. Didn't do that to Maggie Smith. No. Oh, no. I, I, I'm pretty sure that woman would power through death. To give us a good I'm sorry, Death, but could you kindly hold my, my cup of tea? I have to go and be in Downton Abbey. Thank you. <laughs> I technically can't I can't even drink this at the moment. I just, just, just uh, be a dear be a dear death and give me some biscuits. I, I'm off to the shooting, thank you. <laughs> Alright, so the show's drawing to a close, so just uh to send us off, why don't we just go around and talk uh to each one of you and just let me know what you think is the best reason why you think the Harry Potter characters are the the well rounded the way that they are. Uh, Davey, why don't we get, go with you first? Okay. Um, the reason why I love all of the Harry Potter characters is because they all have very distinct personalities and they're incredibly well developed. I mean, even minor characters, you get some kind of a a glimpse as to some of their idiosyncrasies and, you know, characteristics, like, you know, just in a few short lines of dialogue even, and, like, how it's written that they're, you know, like, what they're actually doing, like, with their bodies and stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all they're all so believable and just really fleshed out. Um, they all have, you know, very clear strengths and very clear flaws at the same time um, that are, you know, believable and that... They they work in the way the way they all interact with one another and in the storytelling process of these seven books is just it's it's really um, kind of impressive like how well J.K. Rowling was able to do that with all of the characters. Um, so I guess that would be that's my that's my statement. Ross, what about you? I would have to say that because. 
uh, as a whole, the characters in the series are so well written, um, and because um, of the fact that it seems that J.K. Rowling has quite a bit of insight into the human experience, so to speak. Novel to novel, it just continually came back to me. Uh, dialogue, um, backstory of many different characters. These were so many instances and things that spoke personally to me. And I'm, I'm sure that that's true of everybody who has read the series. Okay. What about you, Bob? Uh, basically, when it comes to the characters in Harry Potter, um, they may not all be the most well-rounded, but each each and every single character that gets a name in her books is perfect in their imperfection. Um, they we've got I I can't I think it was Deadless Diggory I can't think it was him it was one of the weird kooks um, at the uh, <coughs> at, at at the Quidditch tournament who is walking around in a dress, and he's like, but it's okay, because I like a healthy breeze around my privates. Oh, that was, uh, that, that was Archie. Yeah. yeah, yeah we, We've got all of these minor characters that we know so much about, just from a few lines of dialogue, even if they're not a main character, <clears throat> that it, it shows the heart that J.K. Rowling put into writing these books, and, and that's why I feel that her characters are are probably some of the most well-rounded characters ever written. Yeah, I would have to agree. I feel like there, there's not a flat spot. Even the spots that are lower than some others aren't still are not flat. So mm-hmm. there's never a point going through these books where I'm like, oh, utterly forgettable character B. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never said that about a Rowling character ever. I just feel like... When they when they aren't taking on the guise of people that I already know, I feel like they could be people that I could meet and that I could get to know and be friends with. So I think that they're incredibly, incredibly in-depth, well-rounded characters. They have flaws and complement uh, flaws and qualities that complement each other perfectly, and I absolutely love that about them. <laughs> All right, and that is all the time we have for tonight's Bear Pile. As always, I would like to thank my wonderful co-host, Jonathan Moore. Yay! Uh, Yes, indeed, you. You wonderful you, you. Um, (laughs) I would like to thank our guests for being here. I'd like to thank you, Ross. Thank you very much for being here today. Of course, it was entirely my pleasure. I'd like to thank you, Davey. Thank you very much, Davey Kuhn. Yes, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Excellent, and thank you very much, Bob. Oh, even though I was late. <laughs> You're very welcome. Crunchy uh, lashes. Tease. Uh, <laughs> uh, as a reminder, I can also be found at candycoatedrazor.com. So. Indeed. So uh, we'd also like to thank the wonderful Facebook group of Geeky Bears for making all of this possible. 
please see them at Geeky Bears on Facebook or at geekybears.com, which is our new website. Look at it, touch it, touch it, look at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at it lo- looking at it may lead to some form of touching, that is true. Exactly. Indeed. <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to thank you all for being here and all of you for listening. Uh, please join us next time on the next Bear Pile when we have something equally geeky to talk about and fawn over. But until then, bye-bye, bears. Bye. Bye.